welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we'll be previewing rookie wide receivers with the NFL draft exactly 12 days away from when this episode releases. We're going to be doing wide receivers this week, and that's going to... This week's probably going to have the most players that we discuss on a single episode just because this wide receiver class is very, very deep and future wide receiver classes are also trending to be very, very deep. But this wide receiver class has a lot of guys that we can discuss who should be fantasy relevant in the near future. A lot of them will. And before that, we're going to get to a mailbag question. That should be a lot of fun. But Chris is here. So this will be a good episode. I can't wait to get into the wide receivers. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, the wide receiver class is always one that's very boomer bust. I mean, last year we had guys like T. Higgins step up and just play incredibly well, whereas someone like Henry Ruggs really underperformed. So it's interesting. You really got to scout these wide receivers. And then, like Calvin and I were talking about earlier on the show, it's important to see where they uh, go and how they fit into that offense. That plays a huge role. But uh, for now, before the draft, we can definitely look at where we think they would fit best and how they'll just overall perform as an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, and I think a good lesson that we learned from last year is to mainly, this is more for redraft than for dynasty, especially with the wide receiver advice. Although for running backs, I think it can apply for both. For wide receivers in redraft, you tend to want to draft more for landing spot because we saw the guys who broke out last year weren't really the top ranked wide receivers. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and Brandon Ayuk were ranked pretty high. So that proves that talent matters some, but they weren't like in anyone's top three. I mean, Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson was. And then you're also going to have one top guy like C.D. Lamb do really well like he did last year. So there's always some guys that are going to be really good at the top, but then you also got to keep a lookout for those guys that might fall a little bit in the drafts or are going a little bit underrated and you got to find those guys. And they're the people that can really win you a fantasy championship league, like Justin Jefferson did for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, T Higgins was like an early second in uh, rookie drafts. Brandon Ayuk was like a mid second. I guess I'm talking dynasty here, but also for redraft T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk were not being drafted. Jefferson was being uh, faded by a lot of people as well although he was going early in some drafts Mm -hmm. but then for running backs you kind of also want to draft just for talent because I mean really the top running backs we had a lucky year for running backs in which a lot of them broke out the top running backs all really broke out versus CEH who I mean is talented but people drafted him as with a first round redraft pick in most leagues because of his situation and he didn't really do any better than any of the other running backs Mm -hmm. yep all right so yeah no news today we're gonna get right into the mailbag question and we this is like the first time in a long time that we've had a mailbag question. If you want to send us one, tag us on Twitter at SGF pod. If you tag at SGF pod, we'll assume it's for the show. If you tag at Calvin underscore SGF or at Chris underscore SGF, we can just answer it for you. Although I would tag both of us just because Chris isn't on Twitter as much so that I can see it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, tag at SGF pod for questions on the show, or you can drop it in uh, the pinned tweet that we have on Twitter, or you can email us at secondgoalfantasy at gmail.com. I check that periodically. I'll probably see it within 24 hours and I'll let you know what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, this mailbag question is from at LB underscore, or no, actually, never mind. That's it's from Luke Brown, who has his website at LB underscore sports talk on Twitter, but his handle that he used to post it was at Luke a Brown one. So, mm-hmm. uh, he said at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod, what kind of bounce back can we see from Joe Burrow and how much of it depends on who the Bengals take at number five. So obviously Joe Burrow had a solid fantasy season to start off, but took a lot of sacks and eventually his season ended with an ACL injury. And I think there's a number of ways that this, like he could be impacted by who they take at five. But Chris, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's got to be a focus for the Bengals on grabbing either Penny Sewell or Rayshon Slater just because I think it's it's got to be their primary focus of keeping Joe Burrow healthy because he took sack after sack. And at the beginning of the season, you know, he did just fine, but that came back to bite them. The Bengals weren't really willing to take the risk and get some guys. And so I think the signing of Riley Reef really indicates to me that they're looking to sturdy up their offensive line. And I wouldn't be surprised if they draft Penny Sewell. I think it's got to be definitely, I mean, I don't see why they need to add another wide receiver. And yes, the defense is a concern right now, but it's not more important than Joe Burrow's health. He is the future of their franchise. So I expect that if they do get another offensive tackle, we're going to see a a better season for Joe Burrow in terms of how many sacks he's taking. But it could be interesting to see if they do consider adding another wide receiver because while they are risking his his. Uh, a re-injury it could be really good for fantasy to see him with another wide receiver mm-hmm. man that Cincinnati offense could be really good T Higgins Tyler Boyd and the Jamar Chase that would be pretty unstoppable I wouldn't like it just because I'm a big Tyler Boyd fan and I also love T Higgins as well but yeah I mean I agree I agree the offense in general would be really good but yeah their offensive line is looking to improve since they signed Riley Reef and they signed or they're getting Jonah Williams back if they add Penny Sewell they could get three new starters on that offensive line and uh, or Rayshon Slater, like you said. I think the best option for them as a team is to go offensive line. And if that happens, Joe Burrow will definitely have more time in the pocket. And I think it'll make their offense look a lot better as well because Joe Burrow has a lot of weapons. He's got Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. That's a nice trio right there. If they take Jamar Chase, that's definitely going to hurt all the wide receivers. It's going to be sort of a juggling act to decide who's good there. But Joe Burrow is going to be one of my favorite quarterbacks to target if they take Jamar Chase. And same if they take Kyle Pitts. That's going to be interesting because it's uh, Kyle Pitts sort of take, he doesn't take up like he takes up like those tight ends slash slot targets as well. Mm-hmm. So again, that's going to be sort of a balancing act for me. It's going to be really tough though to balance T Higgins, especially I feel like Tyler Boyd has a relatively safe target share. Uh, but like T Higgins, who's really talented versus potentially Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, who's also really talented. That's why I hope they just take a tackle. Yeah. And for Joe Burrow, I mean, with the wide receiver talent he has around him, especially if they go ahead and grab a wide receiver or a offensive tackle in the draft, I don't see why he shouldn't be able to bounce back as long as he doesn't have any setbacks in his rehab. He should be good to go. And I think that he showed that he really has the talent. And of course, he has the weapons there. So I think that he's primed to have another top 10 fantasy season. I don't see, or well, not another because he got injured. I mean, he was trending in that direction, a top 10 fantasy season. So I don't see why he can't do it next year. And I mean, this offense is is looking good. Once they have Joe Mixon back and fully healthy, I think that that'll also be really helpful to him. Hopefully take some pressure off, but I don't see again, why Joe Burrow shouldn't be able to recover from this injury and be a continue to be a fantasy stud. And I think he's just going to grow on last year's performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bengals are going to be such an interesting team next year either way. But uh, I actually did have Burrow pretty high in my preseason rankings last year. It was something like, I think I had him at like 14 when he was, his consensus mm-hmm. was like late teens. So uh, I definitely was like a big Burrow truther. And that would have worked out, I feel like, if mm-hmm. it wasn't for that yeah. injury. Yeah, and so definitely. And I mean, if you're the Bengals, and you, I mean, any NFL team, if you take a quarterback at number one, and they tear their ACL, and your primary concern going into the offseason isn't showing up that offensive line. Because, I mean, unless it was just a, a an outlier, you know, where he wasn't really getting sacked, had one ugly play. But when he's getting sacked game after game, play after play, I think it's just really important that they get him the protection that he needs. Because he, when he's able to thrive and sit in the pocket, he's so incredibly accurate, and he's got all the weapons that can get space. And so I don't understand why why he would struggle 
or why why he shouldn't be able to recover, especially if they get that other offensive line. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, I guess we can move on from that, though. I think we've answered the question. So, rookie wide receiver preview is what we're going to do right now. And we've got, let's count the names, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 guys on here. So, definitely more than we've talked about on other episodes. So, let's get into it. I'm just pulling up the rookie breakdowns. But Chris has done a few detailed film profiles on some of these wide receivers. So, he'll be especially good of an expert to ask about this. And we'll start off with Jamar Chase, who, oh man, I think Chris might have written the most about him, uh, him and Devontae Smith. Actually, you wrote a lot for everyone. I'm on it right now. I can see mm-hmm. the profile. But um, yeah, I mean, this looks, this is a great profile. But yeah, he's the consensus number one wide receiver in this class. Didn't win the Heisman because he didn't play in 2020. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. And I mean, maybe Devontae Smith is the most talented receiver in this class, but there's obviously concern with his size. So I think that makes Jamar Chase the consensus number one. Yeah, I mean, some of the things I noticed was he's really good with his hands. He's, he uses them effectively against press coverage. He gets a ton of space. And then uh, combined with that, he's also really physical. So that makes him really good off the line. He's able to not even – he doesn't even have to use his footwork, which is very good, to get away from defenders just because he's able to clear them out with his hands and work by them. And then, man, on those 50-50 balls, he is absolutely incredible. He's so good with his timing. He high points the ball. And he uses his body really effectively. So overall, he's using his limbs, his body. They're, he, they all work to really well together. It's kind of a symphony of, of good football. So uh, <laughs> I really like to watch him. And then he's not like super fast. So that's not going to be the biggest thing. But I feel like that's really the only thing with, with him. I mean, sometimes he struggles a little bit. Like he's not some super elusive Tyreek Hill when he gets the ball in his hands and that could provide him a little bit of trouble, but I don't think that's what his function is going to be in an offense. I think he's going to serve as more of a Julio Jones type player, you know, who's just going to be able to go up, catch the football and get these massive games where he's just getting catch after catch. And I mean, he is just really NFL ready. Ooh, it would be so fun to see him reunited with Jamar Chase. And I really hope the Bengals aren't enticed. Or you uh, mean reunited with Joe Burrow? Or yeah, re- reunited with Joe Burrow. Wow, I would love it. I know the Bengals' general manager is sitting there thinking, wow, that combination could – is definitely that Tom Brady <clears> – excuse me, Tom Brady-Randy Moss kind of combo oh for Wes Welker. And, I mean, I just feel like they have to go with more pressing concerns getting back to Joe Burrow, but whew, he is a really good player, Jamar Chase, and he definitely should be an early first-rounder. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely, I was going to bring up the Julio Jones comp and people say he might be the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones. I don't know if he's going to become like some league MVP guy, just because like I said about the landing spot, it does matter a lot. But I mean, I think he's more talented probably than any wide receiver prospect we've seen in the past two years. I mean, I feel like CeeDee Lamb could make a push for that. I feel like, I mean, I maybe I won't say the most talented unquestionably. CeeDee Lamb's probably pretty close, but he is definitely up there, and he is a Julio Jones type of player. And there's, like you said, Chris, there are some cons, like with speed. He's not the fastest guy, but, like, that's really, really a small con. It's like it's like talking about Najee Harris's straight-line speed and saying that's the reason he's going to bust. It's not. Doesn't yeah, really it's just, I mean, in a game where speed kills, like the NFL, and obviously players like Tyree Hill, Tyree Kill show how good speed can be. There's also players like Julio Jones. Like, while they're fast, they're not the fastest guy in the league. They're not going to beat you down the sideline and 
cut the turn the corner really fast, but he's going to be so effective on those deep balls and 50-50 balls and working around some of the top corners in the league. And I think that that's going to be really good for any offense to have because it allows the rest of the offense to open up because they are going to have to put two people on Jamar Chase. There's no other way for NFL teams to get around him. He has the ability to easily win these one-on-ones. So Mm -hmm. I expect to see him facing a lot of double teams, and that could be good for any team, especially a team like maybe the Dolphins, where it would be really fun to see him be able to open things up, especially in the running game with Tua, give him some more options. So there's a lot of things that I like about Jamar Chase, not only as, as a player, but what he could do for an offense. Yeah, and I mean, I think we talked about how he could do for the Bengals, but it's going to be interesting if he gets drafted by a different team. I doubt we see him go to the Falcons. That doesn't really make any sense to me. So, I mean, maybe the Bengals, that's going to be difficult. I'm going to be having trouble like getting liking Jamar Chase more than Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins. I could definitely see him having the best season out of all of them, but I mean, it, I just really don't see the Bengals doing that, though. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you brought up the Dolphins. That's going to be really tough as well. That feels like a landing spot issue because two is just not a great quarterback. It's like Jerry Judy, the hesitancy about Jerry Judy with Drew Locke, also with Cortland Sutton in that offense feels like the same thing. Although obviously Cortland Sutton got hurt, but Jerry Judy still wasn't all that good in his rookie year. I mean, if he drops past the Dolphins, which I don't think he would, I would really, really like him to be on the Lions just because I think like he can function. He's good enough to function like a Cortland Sutton where even with a bad quarterback, he can dominate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are probably the biggest destinations that are possible. And then maybe if he goes to the Panthers, ugh, I mean, I would like that more for that. Make me happy about Donald. But again, that's going to be a juggle with DJ Moore and Robbie mm-hmm. Anderson. Yeah. I don't like him as much to the Panthers. I think they have more than enough weapons in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. but uh, I mean, he'll just be an impact player from game one for any team because he has he's just so incredibly talented and I feel like people look over him almost a little bit because of what Devontae Smith did but if you look at Jamar Chase's numbers when he was playing uh with Joe Burrow it was just as good if not better than Devontae Smith's I mean he was incredibly good caught so many touchdowns and I don't understand why any team wouldn't want him and why any team wouldn't have him as the number one wide receiver yeah, and we'll get to Devontae Smith uh, right now. But obviously, Jamar Chase opted out of 2020, so we didn't get that 2020 film with Devontae Smith. We did. First wide receiver in, I believe, 29 years to win the Heisman Trophy. And if this guy wasn't, like, 170 pounds, I mean, he might be considered, like, the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones. Just because I feel like talent-wise, he is actually better than Jamar Chase. It's just – it's going to be an issue because he – I mean, I know you put on your profile, like, he's definitely, for his size, he can definitely fight for, like, extra yards and stuff, but he's not very good at it, let's be honest. So, like, I mean, I feel like talent-wise, he actually might be better than Jamar Chase, but, and I do really think he's going to be good in the NFL. I really am excited for Devonta Smith, because I'm not worried about the BMI as much, just mm-hmm. because analytics say that doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. Like, Tad, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, this is one of the guys who, not great BMI, he was great anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, but yeah, and I'll definitely. let you take over about Devontae. His Smith. skill is in, isn't going to is going to come in a totally different way than Jamar Chase's is. He's not going to be some huge 50-50 guy. He's going to play, honestly, I don't think there's as good of a comp for for someone like him just because I feel like he's going to be – he's going to play a special role on, on a team. We saw that with Alabama, their offensive coordinator. They made so many different plays just to get the football in his hands because he, once he gets it, He is incredible. He's so good at finding the holes in the defense and finding his blocks when he gets the ball in his hands. And then on the route running too, his footwork isn't great. And, but, and 
he's not necessarily the sharpest route runner, but his vision is incredible. He reads zones like a veteran, and that makes him so potent to just find that soft spot in his zone. And then once he gets the ball in his hands, like I said, he's really good. So he's going to be great at getting the ball in his hands, and he's great when he does have it. So while he's not the best 50-50 guy and he's not going to serve any a role similar to Jamar Chase in any way, in my opinion, he's definitely going to be really good. And he, again, should be an early first rounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are like the two big guns here. Some people like to lump Jalen Waddle into that elite tier, but Chris is going to object to that, as you'll see in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith are just both incredibly talented, and they definitely could easily surpass all of the wide receivers in the 2019. Er, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be pretty tough to surpass Justin Jefferson. So actually, I mean, I won't say easily surpass, but uh, maybe besides Justin Jefferson, I feel like they could easily surpass all the rest. Mm-hmm. And then same sort of destinations for Devontae Smith. I'd like him in the at the Lions just compared to like some other destinations that would be difficult. The Dolphins, again, we have those concerns, but I think we've discussed those real top destinations. I mean, I feel like it looks like neither of these guys will slip past eight, but if they did, maybe I would, I would really like the Giants at 11. I know people are going to have some concerns about like, the target share and I would too, but just because I'm generally higher on Daniel Jones than most, I would also be higher on that wide receiver who goes there than most. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Jalen Waddle. <laughs> because I'm going to trust Chris's opinion here on Jalen Waddle, who is the consensus probably number three wide receiver. And he's a guy who could go to the Giants at 11, but Chris does not want this to happen. But yeah, Chris, <sighs> what do you think about it? It gives me Waddell? nightmares just thinking about the possibility <laughs> that the Giants could select Jalen Waddle. Oh, man, like. Jalen Waddle is talented. Don't get me wrong. Now, am I saying that Jalen Waddle shouldn't be a first rounder? Actually, no. Maybe. He, maybe. He <laughs> couldn't. But am I saying that Jalen Waddle should be a third round or a late second round guy? No, he is definitely a late first rounder to early second rounder, in my opinion. You might be going, "What, Chris? How do you not? How, you wouldn't like him going to the Giants at number eleven? No, and not for the only reason. I mean, the biggest reason is because the Giants do not need another wide receiver, but also because Jalen Waddle. I just don't think he's actually that good. He is so fast and so elusive with the ball in his hands, right? And he has an mm-hmm. extremely quick release, and he's really fast on his route running. But I don't know how much I trust him to, to make the big catches. I mean, he shields the defenders really well, and he does a good job of locating the deep balls, but he, his catching ability I don't trust. He was bobbling so many catches when I was watching film. He's bringing the ball into his body, which makes it so easy for these NFL corners to just pick him apart and get these easy reaches. And, I mean, for that, I just don't trust him. He doesn't high point the ball well, though he does uh, find it. And I feel like he's just going to – he's a little bit too raw for me right now. And the biggest, most important thing for a wide receiver is to be able to corral the ball. And, yes, it's better that he has speed because hopefully he'll have – some more separation, but I think that it's going to be really important once you start going up against NFL competition and press coverage that you're able to make contested catches and not, I mean, when you're running a sideline route or an out route, you're going to have to catch the ball away from your body. And so if he can't catch it like that and he has to tuck it in, an NFL corner is going to come in and punch it right out. I just feel like he's never going to have consistent hands. And yes, he could end up being like a Nelson Aguilar, but uh, (laughs) I don't trust him that much. He does have high upside as a returner and a, for him, I actually made a player comp, Curtis Samuel, just because I think that he does have the ability and the elusiveness to be a kind of guy that can get the ball on handoffs too. 
but I just don't trust him to be a number one wide receiver because game on the line, you need him to make a big catch. He's the last guy out of probably the five top five or six wide receivers in my in my rankings that I would want having making that play. <clears throat> yeah, that's I mean, I, I not, I'm gonna have to I guess agree with you here for the most part. I know you've definitely gone really deep into your analysis, and so I can um definitely understand that. Obviously, you, I like the Curtis Samuel comp because he's like fast, but not necessarily like the prototypical one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a wide receiver. This is going to be Chris's Juju Smith-Schuster. It's like if Jalen Waddle goes to a team with no wideouts, like like the Eagles, it's like Jalen Waddle is not a wide receiver one. It's going to be fun mm-hmm. all off season. Yes. He, I mean, if the, if the Eagles draft him, they're just drafting another Nelson Aguilar. They're drafting another Jalen Rager. Like yeah, that's going to be, that's not what the, that's not what they need. They need to grab either Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase because guess what? Those two players are game changers. Jalen Waddle is a speed player. Like he's not the he's not a number one receiver. He's gonna end up being, I mean, he very well end up being like a John Ross. And that's my biggest concern with him. I don't trust his ability to make plays. And so though he could be, I mean, his upside is incredible. He could be a Tyreek Hill, right? I just feel like mm-hmm. like I wrote in my outlook here and draft value, his floor is John Ross because while he is super fast, I don't trust him to be able to high point the football and make good catches without bringing it, bringing it into his body and without bobbling it. I mean, so many top NFL players struggle with this. I mean, think about like Evan Ingram. <laughs> he really struggles with his hints. It's so you're like, saying Jalen Waddle? If, can if the make Giants the had Jalen Waddle and Evan Ingram, I would, I would literally during the season be going insane because it would just be drop after drop after drop. Evan Ingram is such a good playmaker, but he struggles to get the ball in his hands. Pro bowler, Evan Ingram. He's not good at catching, so (laughs) I don't know why people expect his or think of him as some crazy deep threat because he really is only that like that because of his speed. He can't catch very well. He's going to end up being a Deshaun Jackson. I have him as a late first rounder to an early second rounder. All right. Interesting. You think he's going to be like Henry Ruggs? Yes. Very much. I Boom. very much think he's going to end up being like Henry Ruggs. Okay. So I think we've established that Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith are in their own tier. And then Jalen Waddle's sort of like a weird kind of tier. But like this mm-hmm. next tier, this next three guys, they're in their same spot. And we'll start with Terrace Marshall Jr., who tends to be – I mean, I feel like NFL scouts won't be really overlooking him. But, I mean, definitely what I've seen on like Twitter, for example, there's so many guys that other people are in love with, like Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore and uh, Rondell Moore and Dimey Brown and Tylen Wallace and all these guys. You kind of forget about Terrace Marshall. But Terrace Marshall is a guy who has size in a class that lacks it. He's great in the red zone. He would be an excellent red zone threat for a team. So I feel like if you combined a guy like Terrace Marshall with someone like Jalen Waddle, they could be really, really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Terrace Marshall's six, three, if you round up, it's like six, two and five eighths on pro football network. But, um, I mean, I think he's going to be the people will be putting a premium on Terrace Marshall. He might go a little earlier than he should just because of that. Like this class lacks size in general with like Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore, uh, don't really have that much size, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a very, very good player. And he's a going to be a solid. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I, I agree with you. Just that his size just makes him a kind of a bit of a premium in this draft, like you said. So I mean, I don't see why a team should shy away from him. He definitely has the NFL build. And while he's not the most polished player right now, he came out of that LSU offense, and we've seen how the receivers have done. Justin Jefferson, an absolute breakout last year. 
he's definitely worth a flyer, even if it's in the late first round for a team like, I don't know, like just a team that's already really solid like the Packers and wants to grab a big second red zone target. So take some work uh, or take some pressure off of Devonta Adams. I would love that. So, you know, he definitely has a fit on a bunch of different teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he has good hands as well. Like he'll just be able to go up there and get it in the red zone. And like six, three is that height where it's like really the wide receivers are, can they, if they're good enough, they can sort of start dominating on those 50, 50 balls. And yeah. Terrace Marshall's just at that height where he's starting to be able to like, it's going to be possible for him. I mean, definitely like in the past teams have definitely put like too much emphasis. They can put too much emphasis on just a guy who should be a red zone threat. Like, uh, I mean, I guess for example, Josh Doxson, who's out of TCU, uh, he went to the football team and I mean, was supposed to be a great red zone threat and just kind of washed out of the league. But I do think Terrace Marshall is actually a talented player. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. And like you said, I think the most important thing with him is recognizing him as a bit of a premium in this round. Yeah. So, by the way, we got through the three of the guys that Chris previewed, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith. I mean, the guys, when I say previewed, I mean the guys that he went really, like, did deep dive film profiles and wrote up those deep dive film profiles on. But uh, we'll get into Rashad Bateman, and then we'll get into the last guy that Chris has profiled. But uh, Rashad Bateman is out of Minnesota, and he's, I've seen, like, so there's a definitely a crowd of people on Twitter who like him more than just about any wide receiver in this class. I feel like he uh-huh. definitely lost some weight at the combine and that probably pumped people down. But I definitely before that saw him over Jamar Chase in some rankings. He's a guy who's going to be in the slot. It's definitely worrisome that his combine weight weight was like so low. But he is absolutely insane with the ball in his hands. Great after the catch in terms of just elusiveness. And he can just, he has home run uh, ability in terms of getting the ball to the house after just taking a short catch and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I like Rashad Bateman. I don't love him. I still feel like the top three and maybe Jalen Wa- or maybe Elijah Moore goes, makes it a top four are kind of above him. But I definitely like him. And he's, he's going to find a good place on a team. I think I have him a bit above Terrace Marshall, in my opinion. Actually, a good bit. And maybe he can compete with Elijah Moore. It's just, it's really honestly, like, even though they play the same position, it's hard to compare a player like Elijah Moore, who's going to be primarily primarily a slot receiver, which we'll talk talk about in a minute, to someone like Rashad Bateman, which I feel like can play that outside receiver, elusive guy kind of role. So, I don't know. They're a little bit different, but it's going to be interesting. I think that he could be really good. Yeah, he definitely could be. He has that explosiveness. And he's another guy whose size is definitely lacking. I'm not sure. I believe these measurements on profootballnetwork.com are from the combine because he weighed in at like yeah. 190 Yeah, Rashad pounds. Bateman is 6'2", though, so he's got some size to him. Not really. Nope, he, weigh, he went at 6 feet 190. Somehow he lost really? 2 inches and 20 pounds at the combine. I'm really not sure why. It's actually more like six feet and a half, but like he still lost an inch and a half somehow. It looks like makes you wonder if someone was fudging the numbers, but I'm not going to worry about that as much as some people because he showed what he can do on the field. Mm -hmm. So it definitely hurts, but I mean, that's kind of crazy. That's a huge drop off. But um, all right, so let's move on to Elijah Moore and Chris. This is one of your favorite guys. He's, I think you'd agree that he's a guy that can only really play in the slot, but he could be really, really electric in that role. Maybe like, I don't know if this is, I feel like this would be a fine comp, maybe like a Tyler Lockett kind of player because, I mean, he's just so good in that slot role. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's just absolute. I was waiting for you to get sorry. into your Elijah Moore profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to 
pull it up. Here we go. 5'9", 185 for Elijah Moore, which is actually pretty good. At 5'9", to be 185 pounds, that's not bad. That's more than Devontae Smith weighs. But uh, he's really technically good. I mean, my player comp for him here is Tyler Lockett, and he is so incredibly good with the ball in his hands. His run-after-catch ability is incredible. He's also so good at gaining separation. Uh, He had a yard or more of separation on 90% of his targets, which was the best in the Power 5. He's, and he's still, despite his small size, he's able to adjust in the air and he gets the ball with his hands out, which is one of the big things I look for in NFL wide receivers is where they're catching the ball, where they're high pointing it, whether their hands are extended, they're putting catching it in a place where the corners aren't going to be able to reach it. He has great hands and uh, overall, I love when he gets the ball in his hands. He's going to be able to u- be used in so many different ways. He kind of goes in that Curtis Samuel sort of value too. I could see him being a kick returner as well. But uh, I really find him in that Tyler Lockett because he does have a few cons. And I feel like this is something that Tyler Lockett kind of struggles with. He's not great against press coverage, so he's not as good with using his hands and clearing space off the line. And uh, sometimes he struggles with his – I mean, overall, he struggles against press coverage. And then, obviously, he's limited because of his size. He's going to remain as primarily a slot receiver. But as you saw, that hasn't limited people like Tyler Lockett from being a really solid NFL wide receiver – He is so fast, too. Maybe he's not going to have the fast 40-yard dash of the combine, but his acceleration is incredible. When he gets the ball in his hands, he turns up field, and it's like he goes 0 to 60 in a half a second, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I absolutely love Elijah Moore. I think that he's just going to sneak in as a really good slot wide receiver that's going to make a ton of big plays for whichever team he goes to. Yeah, and actually, Elijah Moore did have the fourth fastest 40 time out of any wide receiver in this class at a four. Yeah, so exactly. Five. He's extremely fast, has solid hands, incredible footwork. Like, definitely the best footwork I saw when I, from scouting any of these guys. So I don't see why a team wouldn't want to have him other than if they don't need a slot receiver, like someone like the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that 4.35, that's going to be huge. I mean, mm-hmm. only Rondale Moore is like, a uh, really highly ranked wide receiver who was faster and Rondale Moore's even smaller than Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. But uh yep. we'll talk about him next. Rondale Moore, I'm think he's like 5'8, 180. I'm gonna go look that up as well. But I mean he's another guy who can be just electric with the ball in his hands and he's really fast. He ran a four point two nine. I feel like I, I teams there's pos- it's possible a team overrates that again like they did with Henry Ruggs with the Raiders drafting him he still can't believe he was over Judy and uh, CD Lamb. That was an absolutely terrible pick. But mm-hmm. Rondell Moore, oh, five foot nine, 180. So I was off by an inch, but he's smaller mm-hmm. than Elijah Moore. He's going to be a slot guy, but he is really, really explosive and really, really quick. Feels like kind of Kenneth Gainwell, if Kenneth Gainwell was like just. Wow, actually, he measured in at five foot seven for his, at his pro day. Really? Jeez. How do you lose two inches like that? Yeah, why are people I, losing two inches? What they're wearing, like, cleats. They're wearing two pairs of shoes or something. Or, like, they're standing mm-hmm. on a pair of shoes. They're, like, taking their feet out, like, standing on their tiptoes or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, weird. But, he, I mean, I think he he's sort of like Elijah Moore, but I would definitely like Elijah Moore more because I feel like Elijah Moore is, like, a little bit more polished because mm-hmm. – uh, and he's also li- just a little bit bigger. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, he's probably not a guy I'm going to be targeting specifically in fantasy just because that's going to be his size is going to be tough. Kadarius Tony, who it's really interesting. You see two sides to Kadarius Tony. It's the fantasy football Twitter and NFL Twitter who really, really hates Kadarius Tony. And then there are some scouts that actually really like him and are even considering taking him in the first round. He's a little bit bigger 
he is uh oh wait why does it say like two different heights so it's like five foot eleven and then five foot eight wonder if he lost three inches at the combine he's not the tallest guy though he's clearly not like a red zone threat and he's 193 pounds Another guy who lacks some size, he's a little bit bigger than some others, but he definitely would make his hay on screen passes. You saw a lot of that from Kyle Trask. The main concern, though, from Kadarius Toney is that he really he didn't have a season more than like 600-something yards in all of college football. So it's just we're really just betting on this guy's talent here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something like while I love doing film scouting, I watched a little bit of Kadarius Toney film. He just looked a little bit underwhelming. Like he, the sample size isn't there. So I think that makes it uh, him a huge risk for any team. I mean, he had a good quarterback in Kyle Trask throwing him to him, and he had so much pressure taken off him with a guy like Kyle Pitts there. So I don't know how much I love Kadarius Tony. I think that he he could be a solid role player or a number two, maybe maybe not even, maybe only a number three. But he's not a guy that I'm super excited about or that I'm looking looking like that I'd want the Giants taking in round two or anything, you know, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I grade how sometimes like how I think about receivers. I'm like, what would I think if the Giants drafted him, <laughs> you know? And so I wouldn't mm-hmm. love him. I mean, I think that he'll be a solid player, but I don't think he's going to be anything special. All right. Yeah. And then we're sort of getting into the more of a long shots here, but Diami Brown is a guy who maybe isn't quite a long shot because he is, a guy that Chris Sims really likes that that much we know and he's really really good at high pointing the football at six foot one he's great at taking the ball out of the air and just get coordinating knowing where the ball is and just taking it he's not gonna be like this guy who's mossing you all the time but he's also not like a guy who can only play slot he could definitely play outside as well at six foot one it's about mm-hmm. average height for a wide receiver like an outside wide receiver so I could see him being good it's just that it's concerned that he played at North Carolina, which is in the ACC. So he might not be quite as good. And I mean, he's not really, he's not really that explosive either as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, let's, we got two more guys, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma state who, I mean, he has really good hands and I believe he's a little bit taller as well, but I feel like he might be reached on by someone who needs size. Let me just get Tylen Wallace's official measurements here from pro football network. Uh, oh, no, he's actually only 5'11", so not that tall, but not super short either. Mm-hmm. And I just feel, I mean, he, yeah, he, but he, he's a solid player, but he'll probably be a later-round guy. And then Amon, Amon Ra, or is it Amon Ra? I don't know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, Amon Ra St. Brown uh, his, is another guy who, I think he was graded a little bit higher last year, but, uh, I mean, he couldn't enter the draft, I don't think, until this year. So he's a late-round guy. He's the guy that some people like. 5'11 and a half, so he's all about 6 feet, 197 pounds. So he's a little bit bigger, um, and he's actually also pretty explosive. But he wasn't, uh, he wasn't like, that great in terms of a uh, – his, la- his last year wasn't all that great, which is also why his draft stock dropped down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then this last guy – one guy we should mention before we wrap up, Jalen Darden out of North Texas is sort of a deep sleeper. This guy might go in the seventh round, but if you do like a four-round dynasty rookie draft, take him in your fourth round. It's, he's going to be pretty cheap. Yes, he played at North Texas, which isn't a great football school. Didn't play against great defenses, but he had a 61% dominator rating in college. And I feel like, that. I mean, definitely the two main stats that analytics people love to use about these guys are breakout age and uh, dominator rating. I don't know Jalen Darden's breakout rage. I think age i think it was pretty good 
but I don't know it off the top of my head. But I do know his 61% dominator rating is absolutely And Calvin, would you mind explaining for the listeners what the dominator rating is and, and breakout yeah. age? Oh, yeah, I was about to. It's uh the percentage of yards and touchdowns that um a player has in comparison to their teams. And then breakout age is just like what age they broke out. It's pretty self-explanatory. I'm not exactly sure the full metric that's used, and I don't really think – I feel like it might vary. I'm not, I believe it varies between analysts because I don't know if it's something that we're fully like the, the we fully have like an official metric for breakout age, but I think it's pretty standard. And, uh, but yeah, Jalen Darden, the point is he has a really good dominator rating 61%. And for context, if you get like 45% of your team's yards and touchdowns, you're considered like elite in terms of dominator rating. And these two stats are some of the most predictive in terms of college to NFL success. So his 61% alone makes him a guy to watch. So just look out for him as a deep sleeper and you'd better believe I'm taking a victory lap if he breaks out. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. I liked this episode a lot. I think the last couple episodes have really been on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That was it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SGFpod, at Calvin underscore SGF, at Chris underscore SGF. Search up Second and Goal Sports Talk on YouTube to find our weekly live show. We also do some other broadcasts during the week, and maybe we might start uploading some more videos, maybe about the draft, about profiles, stuff like that. It's potential, but you can all find it, um, find updates about it on Twitter at SG Sports Talk, and we'll always have our weekly live show as well. Email us, secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com, secondandgoalsportstalk at gmail.com with questions for the show. I mean, we you saw we answered one here, so don't be afraid. If you, mm-hmm. if you said yeah, this, we anything, love answering uh, your guys' mailbag questions because it kind of it gives us some perspective for what someone listening to our show is most interested in and what players are kind of most interested to you. And, Lots of times you guys have really good questions that Calvin and I might not have thought of, so please ask them. Yeah, and I mean, it allows us to get more in-depth to a topic that maybe we touched on but haven't really, like, gone over Mm -hmm. enough to, like, someone who needs to know about it. I mean, mean, we tend to ask for these mailbags for the podcast, but if you want to send us something, any, like, about any sport – and just, I mean, hockey or soccer, probably not. We're not really that smart about that stuff. So we can't really give you a good mm-hmm. answer. But any other sport, send us your questions. Uh, basketball, baseball, golf, football. And you can say, like, if you want to have them on the live show, just tag at SG Sports Talk. Say you want to have them on the live show. And we'll answer them on that week. Because, I mean, we love answering these questions. Until we start getting flooded with, like, thousands and thousands of questions like the big guns do, we'll just probably answer every single question we get sent. Mm-hmm. All right. That was fun. Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, Chris, if you have anything else to say, you should say it now because this episode is wrapping up. I don't think so. Guys, right. from, except except for one thing. Remember, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and then by the end of the draft, guys, I'll give you my opinion. I might have Elijah Moore over in a while. So. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be great. I, I can't wait to make those rankings post-draft mm-hmm. based on their destinations as well. And yep. after the draft, we'll be talking about the uh, rookie. We'll be giving you a preview for your rookie drafts. But next week, we got tight ends. There's only four to talk about. So we'll be talking tight ends. Then we'll just be reviewing the players that we really like and really hate. I mean, maybe not hate, but like really like, like more than consensus, dislike or like less than consensus. And we'll be talking about that. We'll give, be giving you guys a review just so it's extra clear and so that we can call our shot right now. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.